The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Women's Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericawomen.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management. Do you have aspirations to be a leader in your business or organization? Welcome to Leadership Stars with your host, Linda Patton. Each week, we feature true leaders recognized in their fields who provide insight and ideas in creating a strong team and how you can become an effective leader. Now, here is Linda Patton. Welcome, and this is Linda, and I have, gee, one of the most interesting gentleman that I have ever met and I have to say that I was blown away we actually sat down and had a meal and talked for about two hours and I was so impressed and inspired by Adam Cortez who is our guest today and let me tell you just a little bit about him I love the fact that he started his first business when he was 14 and it was an IT business Um, he was and then he sold them both Uh, By the time he graduated from high school, I mean, this is a man who knows what he wants to do and knows what he wants to be and does it. And he is now working with business owners and leaders who are really ready to make impact on the world and to take control of their dynamic lives. And he feels very strongly about lifelong learning, which has been a passion of mine and is actually probably my number one value is around the love of learning. And so we resonated really well, and I wanted to have him on the show and to share with my audience and all of you uh, what's inspired him and why he's doing what he is doing. So with that, let's welcome Adam Cortez to the program. Adam, welcome. Hey, Linda. Thank you. It is so great to have you here. Yeah, I'm so excited. (laughs) So, Adam... Um, do me a favor. I, I gave just a little brief history about, you know, what you've done in the past and really how uh, entrepreneurial you've been from a very young age. I mean, 14 years old, that's pretty awesome to have to grow a business that's big enough that someone wants to buy it. Uh, and you actually had what, two at that time. Um, how did you go about doing that? Yeah, so I I, uh, I started them early on, you know, early sophomore year, junior year of high school. Um, I remember sneaking out of class to uh, go to the bathroom to talk to our uh, some of the people that we were buying resources from for our IT business over in China. Uh, you know, just kind of like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll be right back, and disappearing. <laughs> uh, and when I sold them, it was really because I was going to go to high school or go to university and. I knew I couldn't handle both, and I was in the middle of a long-term relationship, and so all this stuff was going on. And uh, I just found some, uh, actually one of my friends who was running an IT business at the time, uh, was doing pretty well for himself, ended up taking over my clients and uh, bought my book of business from me, um, you know, for, mm-hmm. I think I sold it for like five or $10,000, something like that, for both of wow. them, and disappeared and that was all she wrote and that was all I you know at that point that's all I knew I didn't know any better uh, it was early on and mm-hmm. I, I look back at it it was a learning experience you know it was just one of many that I was going to 
take on and and learn from as I as I started growing and and really building out my businesses. So Adam, I have a question for you. Um, who you know, you, you have this really rich life. It started very young. You were obviously curious and extremely smart and wanting to do something other than just high school. I mean, high school is a time when people sort of, for me, you know, they're cheerleaders, they're football captains, they're on the newsletter, they're on the yearbook staff, they don't do anything. You know, there's a real sort of dichotomy between, you know, the folks who are really building their resume for college and the folks who are, you know, the far end is those that are sort of coasting their way through high school. So was there someone in your life who inspired you to be that that person who wanted more out of high school than just um, activities and, and learning and that kind of thing and, and caused you to want to go that far and to take on that responsibility? So who was that person? I think it, it's... Um it was a real mix of uh, for me, uh, you know, like the cliche of your parents always being the influence that that's around you. So my parents really um, molded me into who I am today. My mom was a a teacher, uh, which is where my my heart for education came from. Uh, and my father is a small business owner, and so I was always at work with both of them, always learning about. Um, you know, I was installing the floors. Uh, I was doing electrical work, plumbing. Uh, I was putting a frame or you know a frames up. I was doing roofing, um, and then I go to school with my mom and learn how to lesson plan and grade papers and write all of these little things that added up to who I became. And so, in high school, I took lessons away from high school of how to, you know, be a researcher, how to learn for myself, how to write well, how to communicate with the people around me. And I took those little lessons and put them in my pocket and I I learned from it, but I was already applying those lessons and what I had learned from my parents and from being out in the workforce already with them during the summers and all of that. And I went, well, I can do all this other stuff. So I was always around entrepreneurs um, from an early age. And I think it just all, this big bubble of being in the Silicon Valley just encompassed that of what I wanted to become. Okay. That's pretty inspiring. I, I have to say that somewhat like you, um, both my parents worked. Uh, my dad was a... Uh, an engineer, an operating engineer with the University of Illinois at their medical cir- medical campus and was an amazing man, was out of the house by, you know, five o'clock. He did come home early, though, uh, because he wanted to be able to see all of his men. So he wanted to see the guys who were coming off, you know, the night shift and talk about, you know, what happened last night and what do we need to know for the day shift. And then he obviously was there for the day shift, but he stayed long enough for him to see also the the folks who are on the in the in between uh, stage as well, so he always knew everything that was going on in that 24 hours. He was very aware of that. And then my mom, she was an, she was incredible. She was um, a secretary uh, to mm. the, the chief researcher at the American Can Company at Barrington, and she was just an amazing woman. I I, I stand in awe with her because she you know she typed these. Uh, reports that were in triplicate or more on a typewriter 
And if the researcher changed one word, it often meant typing, retyping the entire paper. Um, Mm -hmm. And I and I thought, here's a woman who can really do anything. She was a community leader up front. So like you, she inspired me. I started to work when I was in grade school um, and actually worked at a laundromat um, where we collected clothes, washed them, um, ironed them, uh, put them in back in bags and everything else. And for a quarter an hour, um, I actually was in the workforce. So please don't tell anybody that we had child labor, but it was fun. (laughs) We we had a really good time. Um, So Education and lifelong learning is a passion of yours, and it's what your business is doing right now. Tell us just a little bit about, one, how you got into this and sort of how you've – it's formatted in a very unique way, and I'd like the audience to hear about that. Yeah, so I – just to start with a little bit of my journey, right? So my Mm -hmm. journey was I went to university and – after a semester dropped out and just kind of went, you know, this isn't for me. This isn't what I want to be doing, um, at least in this kind of a setting. And so I, I left after my first semester going, you know, well, what's next? And I went back and actually worked in education. I worked in education for about three and a half years at different high schools and then a private school for dyslexic students and mm. really absorbing what was going on. And uh, I walked away and opened up my, my next business, which turned and morphed into what I'm doing today mm-hmm. and always taking along the lessons with me of, you know, of how do we learn? How do we want to learn? And where do we want, you know, that education to come from? And so when we piece together what's now DKM Global, um, we really wanted to bring a place for entrepreneurs to to learn, to be a part of their education, to be an active participant in it. Um, and really ask questions, be be able to to be like, no, we want to learn this now. We're ready for this part, and being open to you asking for for the support that they really need. Um, so we we put together these programs, uh, master classes, essentially of of different topics uh, for our clients and for the people that you know are entrepreneurs to really learn from and be a part of their own learning style um, from whether it's audio, written materials, or video, we try to give a different range of, of learning so that all, all learning patterns are incorporated in the way that we teach. Mm-hmm. I think that's fabulous. Um, and as you know, there's an, the old saying that when the student is ready, the teacher will come. So I love the fact that you work with entrepreneurs on what they're ready for at that time and that you're mm-hmm. not forcing curriculum down their throat when they're going, oh, I don't need that. I need this right now. Um, and I also find it interesting, Adam, that you're working with different learning styles. Was that something that came out of your work with the dyslexic students? Yeah, so growing up, um, I always knew I was different. <laughs> uh, I had, I mean, obviously, I mean, we're all special, right? Um, and uh, and so in school, I always found it difficult with certain things. I was great at math, but, you know, writing and spelling was always horrible. To this day, I'm, I'm horrible at spelling. If you read any of my blog posts, I'm sure you're going to find uh, more than one spelling mistake on there. And... Um, 
and so when I started working, uh, or actually when I got out of high school, I got myself tested for dyslexia and uh, found out that I was, um, and very aware of it. And um, I had already picked up skills to kind of get myself through education the way I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so when I worked at that dis, uh, the school in Belmont for dyslexic, scu- uh, dyslexic students, excuse me, uh, called Charles Armstrong, it was very humbling to see these students that had been struggling through elementary school and middle school and find their home and find this place where they were embraced for the way that they learned and the way that they needed to be taught and being advocates for themselves and saying, Hey, I don't learn that way. And, um, and hearing their story, hearing the way that they suffered, the way that, you know, people made fun of them, even their teachers, the way that they looked down upon them, um, for not being able to learn, the way everybody else did. Um, but being these massive creators and, you know, one day these kids are going to be the entrepreneurs of the world, right? That's Absolutely. these outside of the box thinkers. And so when we put our, um, you know, when I put this program together, we, we do things for ourselves, right? We, we teach what we need uh, initially. And so I built it based off of the fact that I'd been through coaching programs myself and knew that I needed something a little differently, or if it was written one way, I needed it another way and being able to advocate for myself. And so when we put our programs together, I wanted to make sure that we had different ways of teaching it so that, you know, whoever walked into our door didn't feel like they were stuck or that they paid for something that they really couldn't learn from. So we wanted to make sure that that material was going to be digestible in any form or fashion. Adam, I, I have several comments to make on this. One is I, I love your story about spelling, um, and I think every, everyone at some time is challenged with spelling. And one of the phrases that I learned as a, as a trainer is the closer you get to the flip chart, the further away go your spelling skills. So f- please feel free to add or subtract any letters that you need to to make it right for you, but don't tell me. I don't want to know. Um, <laughs> because it's true. You, you start writing on a flip chart, and it's like, where did my, my spelling skills go? Um, I also love the fact, and audience, I want you to hear this as well, is that we teach what we most need to learn. And I think that's a very profound statement about why we often do the work that we do. Um, I have a, a marvelous younger sis, excuse me, younger daughter, she mm-hmm. just seems like a sister, um, who has a slight um, challenge with education. And her big thing was... Um, again, reading, writing, um, that kind of thing. Because what she heard and what she saw were two vastly different things. Mm-hmm. And to get the public school to understand that she just needed a minor modification. She didn't need a whole new curriculum. She didn't need an individual education plan. She just needed minor modifications. And the teacher's responses oftentimes were, I don't have to modify my classroom for her. She doesn't have an IEP. She's not that seriously challenged. And I think that's what's wrong as well, is the fact that the institution Mm -hmm. is set up in such a way that these kids can't use um, what they how they've modified to be able to learn and I think that's that's a real crying shame and I'm glad to see that these uh, special schools like the one you worked with in Belmont who are saying these kids are special they're going to be the bright kids out there um, mm-hmm. running our, our new businesses so that's terrific yeah and I, I think one of the um, just to go back a little bit I mm-hmm. think one of the tragedies um, 
is the way that these new teachers are being taught. They're not taught to deal with different learning styles, right? They're, oh, no. they're taught, they're taught in this one way of, of teaching and then they get, you know, tossed into the world and they're like, go, but they don't have the tools that they need to be really these effective teachers and leaders that we need them to be. And not to say that they don't try, but they aren't, unless they go through a special program, unless they're, you know, they're going to go into this special ed learning, um, they're not equipped. And then they get students, they're overpopulated classrooms, they're, you know, they're trying their best, but at the end of the day, they're not, they are not equipped for what's coming their way. And I think it's also tragic sometimes when they put a brand new student, teacher, you know, she may be 22, 23, in a class of students who are um, just going into their teen years. So usually age, you know, fifth grade is the one that strikes me from, from both my girls. And those kids have so many hormones running through them at that time that you almost need Um, a skilled professional, someone who's been doing this for a long time because the young teachers, as you said, are robotic and they're told, this is how your students are going to be, this is what you're going to do, and and this is the curriculum you're going to teach. And then they get these kids who are really, really emotional and, um, you know, needing structure, but not that kind of structure. They need structure within what's going on with them. And these teachers don't know how to handle it. do you have a, a like a quick um, tip that we could send off to those teachers? I, I think it comes back to the personal touch. I mean, mm-hmm. we're we're so um, regimented and and following these rules and this this certain type of curriculum and doing it one way or the other way instead of being in touch with the human that's in front of you and mm-hmm. and really understanding their needs and what you know what. You know what's going on. You know these kids have so many issues, uh, so many different things that could be going on with them that mm-hmm. the teacher just doesn't know um, how to deal with. And if they took the time to say, "Hey, I'm here for you. What do you really need?" and and open up that dialogue, I think there's a a different relationship that'll form that will allow them to, you know, teach effectively. Wow, Adam and. Audience, I just want you to hear that, is have a dialogue with these kids, have a conversation, dig deeper, find out what they really need, what they really want, and then see how you can make that happen in the classroom. So think on that while we take a quick commercial break. Voice America Women's Channel, a leader in the forward movement of women's success. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at dare to dream with linda.com that's linda at dare the number two dream with linda.com 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America Women's Channel, a leader in the forward movement of women's success. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. And I have with me a master strategist and systems creator for both business owners and leaders and who has a passion for lifelong learning, Adam Cortez. Adam, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Before the break, we were talking about, you know, um, doing different things for students with different challenges in uh, education. And I, I know we, we talked in the break about what this segment was going to be, but I want to ask you one question. I met Walter O'Brien two weeks mm-hmm. ago. And here's a man who has his own TV show called Scorpion. And he's what a 197 IQ. So someone who definitely did not fit in in school. Um, he did indeed download the plans from NASA to build something in his in his bedroom. And and the man has a passion for what do you do with kids who are like me, who are extremely brilliant and you know, how do you um, educate them? How do you make sure that they don't get bored and go off and do things like steal stuff from NASA? Um, and so do you have any thoughts around highly intelligent people and how to keep them engaged in learning? Well, I think it comes back to um, it, it's this one this one system does not fit for everybody. Actually, mm-hmm. it doesn't fit for anybody, quite honestly. <laughs> And it, it comes back to individual learning. I think, um, and this is actually, I just wrote a blog post on this about where I think coaching and mentorship and apprenticeship is going to take over for a lot of this higher education that, um, you know, we're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on as students. And I think where it comes down to is that at some point, we all need an individual mentor, someone that's going to take us under their wing and show us the world and open doors for us that we couldn't do on our own. And so I think, I really think that um, for anybody, even those with high IQ, low IQ, whatever, it's, it comes back to who, who's guiding you, who's taking you on this journey. And it needs to be one-on-one. It's not going to be this one-to-many model that education has been stuck in for years um, and something that coaching is kind of trying to go into, and we've seen it fail over and over and over again. It needs to be um, really this one-to-one mentorship, mm-hmm. apprenticeship style of of being taught and being, you know, taken through the the journey and path um, with somebody else. And Adam, I think that's so so right. I, I totally agree with you that 
the, the coaching industry, the more we're seeing more and more coaches because people want that one-on-one. Um, I have to say that my business is where it is today because of the coaches that I have had who have broken me through those aspects where I said, no, I don't do that. I don't do television. I don't do radio. I don't write blogs. I won't do social media. <laughs> I don't have a website. And it, it, was, it was just really funny. I said that to my first coach and she looked at me like, and I said to her, I don't know what you expect to do with me, but good luck. Uh, and needless, needless to say, we've done all of those things. Social media is still a bit of a challenge for me, but um, I'm working on it. Uh, but I love the idea of going stepping back into the apprentice model. I mean, that was such a successful way for people to learn craft. Um, mm-hmm. If you think about it, you know, in the medieval times and the Renaissance and, and all of that, that was a it was a highly structured and yet highly individualized way of bringing people along until they mastered. Um, whatever it was that they were they were doing, from you know carpentry to ele- electricians to um, plumbers, whatever it might be, um, we've used that system very well in those kinds of jobs. But we haven't done it for like business owners. And wouldn't that be wonderful to have, uh, you know, have an apprentice system for entrepreneurs? Could be very very interesting. Um, almost, I guess, almost like the um, uh, incubators that we have started. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's something that's been becoming more popular, right? The incubators and the accelerators mm-hmm. that are popping up. That's that's really what's happening. Um, and, and I think more leaders out there are jumping into those roles of being a mentor for someone else. They know it's time for them to give back. Uh, so yeah. it's definitely this that 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 shift is happening. Uh, it's a slow shift, but it is definitely happening, um, at least in the Silicon Valley. And we're seeing it, you know, up and down California with all the clients that we have um, and incubators that we've been partnered with. Mm-hmm. We've seen that that kind of partnership with the individuals go on. So it's 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 great to see. That's awesome. And Adam, I understand from our conversations recently that you're going to pick up and travel both the U.S. and Europe and first of all, I want to ask you. So, what inspired you to do this? Uh, it was a it was a joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it started off as a joke, um, uh, not to get into politics, but uh, the joke was that if Trump won the election, I was going to go and move back to Spain, where we came from, and uh, and that's kind of what's happening. Um, I <laughs> ended up sitting with a friend, and we were talking about traveling the world, and I said I wanted to go to Spain, and she goes, "Well, you know." Tickets to Spain are 200 bucks. Wow. Look, And I go, really? She's like, yeah, well, pull up your phone right now. And I, I pulled up my phone and I pulled up the tickets. And sure enough, it was $219 to Spain. And uh, she goes, well, pull out your wallet and buy the ticket. And I go, oh, yeah, ha, ha, I'll buy it. I'll buy it when I get home. She goes, no. Buy it now. Buy, buy it now. And, um, yeah. and I did. And so I will be taking off to Europe in October. Um, and so... I was sitting there and contemplating as I'm slowly and surely getting rid of all my things, which I've now completed. Um, I was going, you know, I haven't seen a lot of the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of companies that we could reach and talk to while if someone was to travel the U.S. from our company. And I said, well, you know, we built this business to be remote. We built this business to be able to travel and see the world. So I might as well, as a CEO, take initiative and go do that. So. <laughs> Um, I'm doing a a world tour, more or less, uh, starting with the U.S. I'm going down through the south, up the coast, and uh, across the north, back down from Seattle into Portland, 
uh, Oregon and then back to San Jose. And then in October, I take off for Spain and start talking uh, at conferences in Europe. That is intense. And as I remember, you're doing quite a bit of traveling around Europe as well. You have specific countries that you're uh, trying to target? Yeah, I'm actually... um, So I'll be in Spain. I'm going to do the Camino de Santiago uh, Mm -hmm. pilgrimage. And then I will be flying over to Greece, staying with some friends in Greece, going to Rome, staying with friends in Rome, uh, traveling to Ireland and Scotland, and then back over to um, Portugal to stay with one of my business partners in Portugal, and then eventually um, finding a residency in Spain or Portugal. Mm. Have, haven't decided yet, but one or the other. Um and ship my cat from San Jose all the way to Europe. Oh, <laughs> oh that's sweet. And when you, well, you'll be in Scotland far after we're we're there. We're there in September. But I do suggest that you go visit Dornoch, just because it's my my home away from home, and it's just a really great magical place to be. Um, so if you get a chance, do stop by and say hi. Um, now you had another trip planned um, that was inspired by. Something your father has. Could you tell us about that trip? Yeah, so my dad has a uh, 1970 Chevelle SS 396 four-speed Cal induction. <laughs> it's just a beautiful car. Um, we, uh, me and him have been working on it for years now. We go to car shows and all of that. And um, so one of the trips we're thinking about going on when I get back from my trip around the U.S. before I leave for Spain is doing a trip uh, through Route 66 um, and then having the car trailered back while we fly back from Chicago um, so we don't have to drive it all the way back through yeah. uh, Route 66. But um, it's something that we've been talking about. The problem is is that it's going to be in the middle of summer and Ooh. that car does not have air conditioning yet. So <laughs> it's uh, we'll see what exactly happens if we are able to get uh, AC in that car before we decide to take off. Oh, but Cadman, it would be so real to to go without air conditioning like we used to. I mean, my mom and dad firmly believed in doing road trips for vacation. And our vacation was always the last two weeks in August, which if you know the Midwest, those are the hottest times of the summer, bar none. And I remember, you know, all the windows rolled down and, you know, having no air and the fan actually blowing hot air in instead of cool air. And yet, it was probably one of the most glorious, uh, you know, those summers were the ones that I remember the most. I remember where we went, what we did, and they, they just really hold precious memories. So, you may want to think about, you know, doing it without air conditioning. Um, uh, and- oh, no, I'm a princess. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you do know that I, had some, I told somebody about your trip on Route 66, and she said, I hope you like potholes. Yeah, and really big ones. Um, because I understand that, that that route is not necessarily well maintained. No, not anymore. Um, there's <laughs> a lot of patches everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really too bad because it, it is a beautiful trip through that area, um, and it's just really sad that we we can't maintain our infrastructure in this country. So what's wrong with that? But that's a whole yeah. other topic and a whole other show. <laughs> So, Adam, I know you you mentioned that you have partners in Portugal. You have friends, obviously, in Greece and and Rome and, and that kind of area. And Spain is home. You have a family in Spain still? Uh, we have. Um, so, my 
my sister's godmother and uh, some other family friends, uh, they all reside in Spain. And so mm-hmm. they're, they're essentially family to us. Um, so I'll be staying with them for a while and then finding my own place. And then actually I have like four friends that are all moving to Spain. Uh, one of them actually leaves this week. Um, I was staying with her in San Francisco last week and mm-hmm. helping her get, get ready to ship off. But yeah, we have, um, we have a lot of connections over there, so it's it'll be uh, it won't be too far away from people that we know. And besides the fact that you have family and that that's your heritage, what is it that's drawing your friends to Spain? I well, if honestly, you say Trump, I'll stop you right there. <laughs> honestly, I think uh, well for a couple of them, I know um, it's just the the living wage. Uh, mm. Living wage in Spain is you know I think. I think it's like thirty thousand uh, dollars a year is pretty much a living wage in Spain thirty thousand to forty thousand wow. dollars, and San Jose and San Francisco just doesn't cut it, right? I mean, you need to be. I think there was an article that came out that if you're making one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year and you're living in San Francisco, you are basically at the poverty line, which is incredible. Um, I, I think it's it's insane that we live in such a place of opportunity yet we can barely live and afford what we have and be able to stay and survive um, mm-hmm. in the home that we grew up in. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why so many people have moved out. Uh, you know, this, well, the, I mean, I know you know that the, many of the folks who live in Silicon Valley live out in Tracy and, you know, out further than that, and they commute in. Um, I remember long ago that there was a, a family that was, North of Sacramento, I even want to say they may have been in Grass Valley, um, mm-hmm. who commuted on a daily basis to San Francisco with their children. So their kids did their homework in the car. And I'm going, that's not a way of life. Yeah, that's, it's, it's not yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems really, really strange. But if we use the model of mentoring, coaching, and apprenticing, we can, you know, in essence, maybe move some of that um, learning out so that, you know, they, we just don't have to be in the hubs. We can be more um, distance learning and, and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, you know, all my clients that I have around the U.S. and in Europe, you know, they're all scattered and we're able to reach them, Um mm-hmm online and then we're able to reach them through phone and Skype and you know all these other technologies that are out there so you know the tools are out there now for us to be uh, remote and live in places that you know really feel home to us whether it's in Costa Rica or in Europe or you know wherever you want to call home Um, we don't have to stay stuck to where we were first rooted right so we become a worldwide learning community as opposed to um, clusters of learning, usually around large learning institutions like colleges, uh, we can now you know take it out and really have smaller satellite units where learning is is done at a higher level. I would think. Yeah, yeah, and we're seeing universities start to do that. Right, there's universities that are are really taking on that. Um, has their new structure, which I think is great, and it needs to happen. And we've always had travel abroad and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. um, you know they're they're taking note from what I think these big corporations that are letting their companies go remote mm-hmm. or their employees go remote. You know, there there's something to that. Um, you know, I I'd rather have a a beautiful home 
somewhere else and get my work done somewhere else and be stuck yeah. in an office or a cube yeah. uh, with no window. <laughs> yes, yes. Feel like you're in a small prison. Uh, I think it's isn't it Southern Southern New Hampshire University that their students are online and they're all over the country. And I love the fact that they have a van that comes out after grad you know, at graduation time and goes to all of the remote sites where their students are because they've done most of their work probably at home and they have a sort of a little ceremony and hand them their diploma. I think that's just awesome uh, yeah. that, you know, that they take that kind of a hands-on look at education. We want to educate you where you are, but we'll bring the the structure to you at the end of the program. I just think that's great fun. Um, so, Adam, I know that you have a whole series of partners and uh, you obviously have a board of directors. I know that. But you have some partners. How did you choose your partners? And we have just a few minutes. Yeah, it... it um, <laughs> lo- so, long story. Short answer. Long story. Yeah, short, long story short. short. Um, they were... A lot of them were friends. A lot of them were connections that I met uh, over the years that have brought value into my life. Um, mm-hmm. They were, you know, very close connections, and we just started communicating, talking about what we were up to as a company, and you know, would they want to be a part of that? And so that's kind of how we brought them in. Um, you know, the board of advisors or our board and then our advisory board were very similar. And actually, at this point, we're we're looking to grow those areas. Um, and then as far as like the coaches that we bring in and the trainers we bring in, those are very much collaborations um, that we, you know, we work, I work personally with them. We build something that's amazing and beautiful that we can bring to our clients that, you know, is worthwhile and create a masterclass out of it. So a lot of the stuff that we do are our collaborations. It's not just one person in the room that goes, oh, we think this is a great idea. It really is something that there's a few of us that had a good idea. How do we bring this to life? How do we give it um, nourishment so that it, it works for our audience that we want to give it to? And, and I think that's something that, that we, um, as a world, need to really embrace far more is the whole collaborative spirit as opposed to being in competition. And I think it's it's amazing what you've done. Um, not amazing that you did it, but amazing that it's actually been done and, and that it's being embraced is that whole collaborative spirit. And so when we get back, we're going to talk about how do you bring leadership into this collaborative environment and make it an area of lifelong learning. Be back in just a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Let leadership expert Linda Patton be your guide to uncovering the leader that lives within you and that you are meant to be. Through her signature training programs and workshops, Linda takes you every step of the way to help you tap into your personal leadership power, design a clear vision, build a loyal, effective team, and create a practical plan to make your dream come true. Get started now by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at DareToDreamWithLinda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, DreamWithLinda.com. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Voice America Women. Your passion starts here. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. And I am with the amazing... Um, Adam Cortez, who's soon to be a world traveler and who has this really unique concept of collaboration, especially around learning and, you know, really taking kids out of uh, and taking education out of the classroom and putting it into the real world. Uh, Adam, I have to tell you one, one quick story. My husband's an attorney. And I remember him going through law school because I was going through graduate school at the same time. So we were both playing at the same campus. And if you know anything about law school, um, and I don't know whether you watch How to Get Away with Murder, which is not something we have been excited about. But anyway, um, (laughs) (laughs) it's a very strange program. Um, Anyway, in law school, you, you learn everything to know about case law. So you're spending three years pretty much um, reading case law, which is great. You learn a whole lot about law, but you don't learn anything about the practice of law. So if you don't do a, um, some kind of an internship, you know, during the summers and during school and that kind of thing, you never learn what it really means to be an attorney, which has absolutely nothing to do with case law for the most part. It has to mm-hmm. do with the filings that you do, the case management uh, conferences that you go through, mediations, court, all of that. It's fascinating that it's in some respects so arcane that you're not learning any of the practical stuff that you need to do on a day-to-day basis. So what would you say to that? Oh, it's just so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's where it, what it comes down to. There's just no... Um, there's less and less application that happens mm-hmm. um, in high school. It, it's it, it doesn't apply to anything, um, and so and then when you get to university, it's it's all you know out of the book. And there's some you know, some application, but not much. When I was in high school, everything that I learned, I applied to my business. Right, I had a direct right. application to put it to of you know what was I learning and how could I make this applicable to my business or my relationship or you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, and so if you're learning something and not applying, it's like, it's like reading. You can read a mm-hmm. hundred books in a year that are all self-motivating and business inspiring. But if you don't apply any of it, if it's not going towards something, you basically just wasted your time reading a hundred books. Right. right. There was no, there was no application of learning. There was no learning going on. You were just input, right? There was no output, 
Yeah, I know that they, they call people like that book smart, um, yes. where they have no, uh, it has no application in reality. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to diss on the education, uh, the further education. So PhD programs, um, another place where uh, it's research-based, which is great, but again, how do you apply it? And it's one of the things I love about um, like the EDD, the Doctorate in Education, it's application-based. There used to be a director of, or a doctor of nursing that was application-based, so it had to do with practice. It didn't have to do just with research. And I think those were really powerful doctorates where you were really digging into how do we apply this? How do we do something with it as opposed to just um, research-based? And Please, all the PhDs that are out there, I do value the fact that you've taken the program and you've done all that research and you've learned all of that. But I'm all for application-based higher education, if at all possible, so that we actually are not just book smart, but we actually have the way to um, use it in our our everyday lives. Yeah? Yeah. I was actually, so I want to comment on that real quick because I had um, a conversation with my friend last week. We were actually Mm -hmm. walking around Golden Gate Park um, and and he, uh, he builds LMS systems for universities. He's in one of those companies and I won't say which one I'll say from that. Um, And, you know, we're talking about, uh, we were talking about LMS's learning management system, which is Mm -hmm. how we, export information out to students online and and we were having this conversation about phd programs because he's Mm -hmm. entering one and he's very uh disenchanted from them because (laughs) of the lack of application and he's been working in education for years and the conversation we had was very much around the idea of you know the lack of application and Mm -hmm. and how these um PhD programs are run and the way the universities run them where it isn't about the student. It isn't about whether or not they're learning or not. It's whether they can, one, use it as PR stunt Mm -hmm. to capitalize on the students that are going to pay, you know, the rest of their lives in tuition. Mm -hmm. And then these students are really no longer just students and doing research. They're running a business. They're applying for grants. They're trying to get more money in so they can do the research. You know, these, these lifelong researchers are having more issues day by day. And then they got to hope that the government funds their projects, which, you know, there's, that's a whole other issue, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot of backwards thinking in the way that, these education systems run, especially the ones that we hold in high esteem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just not it, the real world application for it no longer works, and it's something that needs to be looked at and fixed. And you know, we have people that you know don't that are not going back to this higher education model and are doing amazing and great things. So how do we how do we apply those and teach other people that that are going through education um, mm-hmm. how to be these leaders and, and and not just do these four to six years in waste. Right. Um, and, I, and I think that's why the college system is called an institution because it's how it's, or it's, it's what it's become. It's no longer um, an environment of, ju- of learning and growing and experimenting and, and that kind of thing. It's become a true institution that, as you said, has to get grants in order to fund the research. And, and so it becomes a, a a, a, sort of a continuous circle that's driving us down um, the rabbit hole. So mm-hmm. how, I, I know you work with leaders, um, 
how does your overall system around lifelong learning work in growing leaders? Yeah, I think <laughs> such a I loaded question. T- I was going to say, I, I ask the tough questions, right? Yeah. So our um, the way that we work with our, our, our students, more or less, is you know, we take them in where they're at. We figure out where they are in their process. And, and we work primarily with startups, right? Startups are our bread and butter as, as far as the companies we work with, Um and we look at where they at and assess it. You know, we we find out what their weaknesses are and what their strong points are, and we try to figure out how do we um, really support them where they're at and make sure that they can grow. And that's usually comes down to like the bare basics of how to start a business, which you know we get startups that these guys are just engineers, and I say just engineers, but you know they're engineers um, with no business skills. And they don't have the people skills. They're, they've been in a room locked away building and coding and developing. Um, and so we got to teach them some of the soft skills and some of the, you know, how to pitch, how to talk to people, how to be engaging, how to ask the right questions when you're in the boardroom. Um, all the way to, you know, once they get funding and they're in their Series A or Series B or Series C round, how are they sticking to their mission and vision if they have one, and if they don't, we need to build one, um, right. so that their employees feel compelled to work with them. Right? How do they keep their employees around? How do they build up um, their reputation? How do they keep their footing in the community? How do they stay part of the community? How do they, you know, how are they giving back? Because um, it isn't just about, you know, what can they take from the rest of the world. It's how do they give back? How do they? How do they hold their own footing um, in this community that they're building, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 always engaging. Uh, it's always an engaging conversation with the leadership team, with their management team, and then really looking at their their general team to see, you know, does it match? Does this is this working for you? What are what's not working? How can we go back to leadership and say, hey? You know, it's time to really take a look at this and no longer just staple those words to the wall and walk away from it. It's really time to take a good look at your mission, your vision, and how are you going to implement this, you know, across the board so that everyone feels that they're important and that they're being seen and that they're being valued. Yeah, and you now just gave us at least four more uh, episodes. Uh, <laughs> it's no, I mean, it's 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 so spot on. I, I love the fact that you start them where they are now. In other words, you make no assumptions at all about what they know. You take what they have and start from there. And I think that's really critical that um, you know, you know what, the, what they know and what they don't know. And then from there, you give them the basics. Uh, you're right, engineers uh, perhaps aren't, aren't exceptional at business skills or uh, people skills. And I, you know, I find this true of many entrepreneurs, you know, folks who have, been, who have worked for someone else. They've been in a large organization, whatever, and they go, you know, I, I could do this. I, I can do this on my own. I don't need to be here. And, and it could run from, you know, hairdressers to landscapers to pool cleaners, whoever it might be. And they decide, I'm going to form my own business because I can mm-hmm. do this and I can make money. But what they don't realize is that there's more to it than just having the skill of being able to do whatever the job is, that there's the whole business side and the people side that you have to know as well if you're going to grow. And they go, well, I didn't know it was going to be that hard. 
You know, I yeah. thought I'd just go out there and do my thing and everybody would love me and, and you know, come work, work with me. And wow. And I think that's a real uh, wake-up call for many entrepreneurs who have stepped out of a corporate environment or even just a small, another small business and said, no, I'm going to do this on my own, that it's not all uh, – you don't see all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Um, I mean, I can even say that about my husband. Um, you know, he worked in a law firm. He was a partner in a law firm. He knew a lot about the back room. But when he went out on his own, there was a lot of stuff that we – all of a sudden systems that we needed and things that we needed to do. And it was like, wow, um, there's a lot of other stuff around that and and of course then you get to my favorite which is all mission vision vision mission and goals and you know what is your five-year vision and Mm -hmm. is it big enough number one to make it through the year much less make it through five years and it isn't enough to inspire the people who work with you to want to come along and you know I, i think somehow or sometimes there's this sense of well of course they're going to come along they're going to be in you know they're going to get it and they don't and it's yeah. how do you communicate that right yeah 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 totally yeah that whole compelling and inspiration i mean what you covered here was you know a good portion of the art of hurting cats which is my program <laughs> <laughs> which is all, really all around um the skills of leadership you know we 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 call people leaders just because they're at the top of their game or whatever but do they really know what it takes to lead a a team or lead a group of people and really get them moving in the same direction so that you actually hit the vision that you're looking for in five years, right? Yeah, yeah. And and it's again, it comes back to, are you learning? Are you applying new things? Are you trying new things? Are you actively trying to be a participant in what's going on? Or are you just sitting back from the sidelines and, you know, calling yourself a leader and there's nothing happening, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's it's always going back to, are you learning? <laughs> are you getting yeah. educated in, in something new? And, and then how do you apply it, right? So yeah. it, 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 it all comes back full circle. Right, and I work. I work a lot with uh, individuals coming out of the military, and out of corporate, and into entrepreneurial jobs where command has been um, their derogere of how they lead. You know, you just expect because of your status that people will do what you want, and all of a sudden you're an entrepreneur, and it's like um, they all want to do other things. How do I get them to come in one, you know, move in one direction so this company is successful? So, Adam, I know that you have a free gift for our listening audience. Would you like to tell them a little bit about it? Yeah, so we uh, we have our academy, our startup academy, and the gift is a month free access to all of the education and teachings that are in there. So there's about 30 classes um, with audio and also uh, homework assignments, worksheets, uh, all of the above um, for you to access. And so we will give you access for the first month for free. And then after that, it's the, I don't even know what the monthly fee is, but um, <laughs> there is a monthly fee. It's on yeah. the website. <laughs> okay, great. And can you give give the audience just like oh five of the topics that they would have access to? Yeah. So we um, we go go through your compelling why. We talk about money and money mindset. We go through P and L. Uh, we talk about building a team and how to uh, create successful leadership. Uh, and then also we dive into. 
um, a lot of the systems and development pieces that you need to create in your business as you, you know, grow and scale. And then what's next? Uh, what's the next step? How do we get to, you know, IPO at some point? <laughs> <laughs> and this is probably the, the really bare bones um, backbone of a truly successful business. And Adam, thank you so very much for offering this to my community and thank you for being here. You're very and welcome. Thank you. And if you, my audience, have any questions or want to know more and dig deeper into the art of hurting cats, um, check out the website at www.dare2dreamwithlinda.com um, or send me an email at linda at that same uh, also remember that Leadership Inspiration is soon to come out. If you're interested in that, also go to the website. So until next time, be courageous, dare to lead. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Stars. Please join Linda Patton for another engaging edition of our program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll feature another noted leader next week.